this is part two of a conversation with Harry and Rashad. Uh, if you haven't heard part one yet, go down and listen to that and come back here. Good. Yeah, that's um, I can imagine. I can imagine Luton being quite a tougher crowd. Yeah, tougher I mean, crowd. I think I'm being unfair. I'm basing that on the basis of one gig, <laughs> one gig in a place that should never have had a gig. It was yeah. working, not working class. That's, that's wrong. Working it was, it, well, it was a, it kind of was a working class pub, um, but. The main issue with it was not what it was, it's the way we set up. It was one room pub, so the, oh, Jesus. the main pub. It was free, uh, and the people weren't there to watch the comedy. And uh, yeah, I, I, everybody did badly, but I think I did more badly than anyone else. Uh, I could, was the only time ever I've not finished the gig. I'd really? say after five minutes of a 10 minute set, and so that's it. I think we're all hating this. I'm mm. not enjoying this. You hate me, so I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I, I, that's, that's funny you say that because I sometimes have that in the back of my head as well. Because if I know they're not enjoying it, I'm not enjoying them not enjoying it. So I prefer to end that at that point rather than try and dig myself into further into a hole i don't know yeah. uh yeah this was a pretty bad this was yeah this is it, it stands out as my worst gig one while i've had other gigs where yeah it's not going terribly well people are laughing a bit i don't know those you know more often than not i think the professional thing to do is finish the gig but sometimes yeah. it is going so so badly think, yeah ah, Matt, that's it we're done Nobody's enjoying this. You want me off the stage. I want to be off the stage. Mm. Why don't we just call it quits? Mm. So, yeah, that was Luton. What's been your best gig there? Uh, best gig. Uh, Healing best, comedy. Uh, yeah, best gig. Um, uh, a number. Like, if I win, like, I, I won Blackout. A few Did you? Ago. That was good Congratulations. Gig. Yeah, that was a good gig. Um, I got through the gong. And it took me ages to get through the gong, by the way. So the gong is a the king gong at comedy store is a particular way of dealing with it. It took me a while to figure yeah. out what it is. But I won I didn't win that, but I got through it a couple of times. They're good. Uh the Bearcat one I mentioned, that was a fantastic gig. Um my best shows have been at Swindon Fringe. Really? Yeah. My last show at Swindon Fringe where I got were really well. In fact, the same show at Ludlow Fringe where I got reviewed and got a really nice review. That was a good gig. Um Good show, yeah. I don't know. Um, and the Glee Club in Birmingham, on the back of which I've now got a Glee Club date in Glasgow. Nice, that was a good gig. So I'd say that I'm probably. Oh, the other one I must mention because it was a paid gig. <laughs> it was my best paid gig so far. Much after who run gigs in Kent. Mm. Uh, they had an open spot for them, and that went really well because that was slightly different to the gigs I'd normally do well at because mm. it was a a gig in Kent in a town, a small gig, um, and that's just that's one where I probably did a mixture of political and non-political material, and that went really, mm. that went really well to the extent my video did. And it's now one of my, it's now <laughs> one of my uh, video clips for promoters. <laughs> Question: Have you now run out of um, Pink Floyd puns for your shows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next one, yeah. So. 
no, it's not supposed to be Pink Floyd puns. Pink Floyd is my favourite band, but it was yeah. because it was a show about the 70s. I wanted uh, a 70s show, so I've got two. I've got three 80s show puns. I'm not sure if my next show is going to be about the 80s, mm. but if it is, it is either going to be Mushudio uh, <laughs> uh, or uh, sh- should I? No, what is it? Well, should I stay? Should I go? <laughs> Or a 99 Red Haroons, when the last one is my favourite of those. So that's it. So I need to come up with musical puns on the 80s and 90s to, yeah. to continue with that. But uh, I, I'm writing, I'm kind of writing two shows at the moment because I'm okay. not sure which one I'm going to go with next. And I think there's a possibility that when I go, get back to Edinburgh next year, I will, as well as bringing my third show to Edinburgh, mm. which is not going to Edinburgh this year, I'm probably going to do a work in progress. There's actually two works in progress. I'm going to mm. do half hour bits. And I'll develop one or the other or both of them as that mm. time goes on, and then take the one that seems to be doing better nice. and develop that into a full show. So, um, how did you find doing Edinburgh last year? Difficult, more Com- difficult than previous. I was going to say compared to the other. Yeah. Ones, yeah. Um, now I've looked into this. So I've looked into this. Apparently, Edinburgh financially did better than it did in previous years. I suspect, and it is anecdotal, there's no easy way of proving this, that all the gains went to the paid shows yeah. and to the venues of the paid shows in particular. I think the people who did worse than the free shows and free shows suffered in general. I think there are a number of things that changed in the two years since I've previously been there. When I went in 2015, you could get away with getting a free venue, uh, getting reasonably priced accommodation, not spending anything on publicity other than getting into the brochure, into the uh, Edinburgh Fringe brochure and paying for posters and flyers, doing all the flyering yourself, not paying any PR. And I got decent, I got reasonable, I was in a small room, it was only held, held 30 or 40. Yeah. I, I was probably on average two thirds full. In 2017, uh, now I'm not going to blame Edinburgh entirely for this, I think part of the problem was, was how the show looked in the brochure, which mm. is one of the things I learned from it. But Everybody else I knew had paid flyers. Uh, I think you did, didn't you? Did you have paid? Uh, oh, no, no, you, no, you, no. We, 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 were, we DIY, we did it all ourselves. Yeah, but you, there was more than one of you. Yeah, so which, is, which made it a lot yeah. easier, yeah. So there was only one of me. I didn't want to pay any flyers because I actually believe in the PBH free fringe ethos that you should try and, you should try and do this yourself. But the other point is, and the point that PBH free fringe makes, is if everybody pays for flyers, you're just causing marketing inflation. However, if everybody else is doing it and you're not, you're going to lose out on that marketing inflation. Mm. So I've now come to the view that next time I go up, I'm going to have to spend more money on PR and I'm going to have to spend more money on flyering as well as having a show that's more easily sellable. Mm. Um, so I financially struggled. I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed myself a lot. I, I enjoyed Edinburgh both all the times I've been there. I really had a good time with it. I learned a lot from this last one. Um, and the shows I did were on the whole really nice to do, even though it's a small audiences, but financially complete waste of time. What do you what do you think you learned from it then? Uh, right, well, first thing, so the first thing I learned, I, I pretty well came up with the show I'm doing now yeah. a few days after Edinburgh, and I think I posted about it on Facebook. I decided I needed a more strongly themed show. As a result, I decided what I was gonna do was to take the similarly themed stuff from the previous two shows, which was about terrorism, and I would have a show, and I'd already decided the title of it, uh, why I don't talk to people about terrorism. I thought that's a strongly themed show. There's no, yeah. there's no way getting around that. I needed a joke on my flyer, which I hadn't really done before. So I put 
one of my favourite jokes. Uh, you know, my name is Harun Moshod. That's an Arabic <laughs> name. Good news is I can't drive. Bad news is I have a rucksack. If you don't like that joke, don't come to the show. So that's my fly pitch. Uh, it seems to it seems to be working. I mean, it's early days. I've only had really one show where where it was an issue uh, where it would have made any difference, and it did make a difference. Uh, so I learned that. Um, I am certainly going to play pay for flyers next year. I am umming and ahhing about paying for PR because mm. I don't know whether PR gets you any more tickets. I think what PR does is get make it more likely to get a review because I've never had a yeah. review. But I think the alternative to not getting a review at Edinburgh is to try and get a review before you get up to Edinburgh. Yeah. That's usually worked better for me, so I'm probably going to stick with trying to get reviews before I get to Edinburgh. How do you manage to get that? I don't well you just you just ask press, you know, you yeah. just you, yeah I have I have a I have a um uh, a mail shot that goes out to everybody that's either national newspapers or for that festival mm. I hope for the best and every once in a while somebody it's just a matter of numbers every once in a while somebody will come and review me so um in Brighton free so I've got my in fact I've got my very first review in fact the other thing I do is I don't care whether reviewers come to a work in progress show because mm. normally I don't put together a show or I don't perform it as a show until I'm reasonably confident it's mostly there. Yeah. Like most people, I think, will try out the show as a whole quite mm. early on, and I tend not to do that. But as a result, I'm usually quite comfortable having reviewers at early shows. So my very first review was from the very first time I did a full show. Uh, I got four stars. So That's that good. Was, that good was quite, uh, so that was a good start. I got a couple of reviews for the same show at Brighton Fringe, one from Shortall. One from uh, was that from the man himself? Or was it was the man himself. <laughs> I think the only reason I, got, I mean, we're not quite sure who it was. He did a batch of three reviews. It was in mm. the uh, the blue the blue man, and there were three shows he was reviewing one after the other. So I was the first. Uh, then it was um, uh, Sandra Hale. Mm. I know, and in between those was um, oh god, I forgot his name. Anyway, we got we, we so he, he did all three reviews as a batch, and I think that's probably how Steve will work. You know, it's how any yeah. review will work. I'll try and get as, as many reviews with as little effort having to travel in between summers uh, as before. And uh, yeah, you just go if you do festivals, if you do your works in festivals before you get to Edinburgh, you've got a fair chance of getting one review before you get up to Edinburgh, and then mm. don't worry too much about getting reviews when you're in, in Edinburgh. Although I did try and get reviews, I didn't I didn't cry about the fact I didn't get yeah. because I had some. <laughs> had some already so um yeah so yeah lessons learned more strongly themed show uh think about saying something on the flyer that's funny mm. um uh, pay for flyers and not convinced i need to pay for pr yet but that may change yeah okay um so this is a bit that i guess find a bit awkward but i quite like it it's helpful for me um could you give me any constructive criticism about my act um, you see, you've seen it enough times. Yeah, uh, I think uh, your your okay. I think you, your strengths and weaknesses are a little bit like mine, and unlike yeah. most other comedians, I think you're a better writer than you are a performer. And yeah, I think you need to work on your performance more than you need to work on your writing. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think your jokes work and they're well structured, and I like them. I think it, it is a little, and I've had this criticism myself. It, it is a little bit like too much of remembering lines. So if you, just, yeah, I guess. I think it's a case of learning your lines even more that you can say them without thinking and yeah. come across. And the other thing I found was quite useful um, because I still suffer from the, I get most nervous when I have to make stuff up on the spot. The yeah. thing I really get nervous about is emceeing. Therefore, I emcee a fair bit. Yeah, that's it. yeah. And I like emceeing when I'm doing it, but I don't look forward to it. And it always worries me. And I think 
So doing things like emceeing, going on improv courses, stuff that make you more in the moment rather than thinking about it. That's yeah. what I would say. But the writing is good. And actually, most comedians are the other way around. I find most comedians are good performers, rubbish material. I think you're slightly, yeah. your material is good. So you it's don't just need to work too much on the material. I mean, keep writing material, yeah. obviously. Um, but work on the performance side more is what I would say. That's brilliant. Thank you. That's actually really, really helpful. So that's exactly how I felt about myself. Yeah. About that, yeah, that's exactly how I felt about myself as well. So yeah, that's really, that's really, really good. What do you think? What about me? Thank you. Um, what I say? Um, I like the I do like a lot of the political stuff, but I think if we're looking for it to, tra- I think if you're looking for it to travel potentially, um, do some more Corbyn, do some more Corbyn stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I yeah. I, I, I just not that I can't do do a Corbyn stuff. I've just never, never really. In fact, I don't do that much. And, well, well, maybe not specifically Corbyn. I haven't done yeah. so much stuff about. Uh, uh, I mean, one thing your your uh, listeners yeah. may not know yet, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm about to tell you is my day jobs in Parliament. That does make it genuinely tricky about yeah. me doing stuff about politics. However, uh, I am getting into my my one of the two possibilities for my next show. One of them is about the 1980s, but mm. the other one is about my day job in human resources in Parliament. Mm talking about uh, uh, the expenses scandal, for example, yeah. something I was in, and just talking about politics in more general, in more specific mm. terms, rather than that sort of niche area of terrorism that I tend mm. to have done most of my stuff about. So, yeah, I think you're right. Have, you, have, have you read the Tony Blair autobiography yet? I have not, no. Okay, because I was going to say, if you, because I know, I don't want to spoil anything for yeah. anyone, but there's a bit that you do where you look at the David Cameron autobiography. Yeah. So if you're looking to do places like Ken or Luton or whatever, God forbid, um, maybe look at reading the Tony Blair stuff, reading yeah. the Tony Blair, reading the Tony Blair one, and then doing the exact same thing that you do for the David Cameron. David Cameron, yeah, which yeah. I haven't actually read, I haven't read, I'm going to come back to that David Cameron stuff, I've just read John Burko's biography as well, and John Burko's like, he's essentially our boss, <laughs> and uh, I'll give you, I mean, the you know, John Burko biography is actually better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. But John Burko himself is a complicated and fraud individual. Mm. And I don't think my reading of his biography has changed my mind about, about that. Mm. Um, I have read about Tony. I haven't read Tony Blair's autobiography. I have read an interesting book, or two books by Andrew Rawnsley. Andrew Rawnsley is probably the main chronicler of the New Labour era. He wrote two books, um, uh, End of the Party, which is the second one, and Servant of the People, which is the first one. And the interesting thing about the books, and I'm not even sure it's something Andrew Rawnsley has realised, that I think I understand why Tony Blair went into Iraq mm. in a way that is not I got from those books, even though I'm not sure Andrew Rawnsley has understood this yet. In the first book, there's quite there's a chapter in there about his role in Kosovo. Now, mm. I don't know if you remember the Kosovo conflict, but the Kosovo conflict is another one where uh, nobody nobody thought intervention was a good idea. In fact, in that particular instance, Tony Blair was the only person who wants to intervene in Kosovo. And he did intervene in Kos- Kosovo, pretty well, single, not single-handed, he didn't go in there and fight himself, but he yeah. sent in British troops. And it, he probably, that action in that particular instance, probably saved hundreds of thousands of lives because it, it worked. The Kosovo Mm. conflict was ended because of that but I think as a result of that he thought that would work again in Iraq and that's why he went into Iraq mm. and one lesson you've got from that era is don't push your luck yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah but one. yeah I will, I will I think reading it I, I do it's on my list of stuff to read I just mm. got around to it but yeah I'll do that he is our most Tory Prime Minister let's be honest <laughs> uh, he, he, 
Yeah, he would certainly have been okay as a Tory Prime Minister of the um, from Teddy backwards, I think. Mm. I think since then, probably not so much. Um, but yeah, he would have been comfortable in the Teddy Tory Party or the or the uh, Macmillan Tory Party. Mm. So I'm listening. I'm, I've been listening to Ken Clark's autobiography. Oh yeah, and I quite like him. <laughs> yeah, I like him. He's. I think he's probably the most one of the most popular Tory politicians. He's probably the Tory that's most popular with non-Tories. Well, he's like the let he's um, he's more he's like the left the right the. The Tories, the left, he's like more the left side of the Tories. Yeah, yeah. More, more he's a left leaning Tory. That's yeah, it. Um, I don't know if you were around when he was a government minister. He was nothing like as popular because, uh, and in one sense, it's a good way in some he's, he's what they would call a ref- one of the reasons he was popular is because he was a reforming cabinet minister. Mm. But when he was actually doing the reforms, remember he was he was health minister, he was health secretary. Yeah. In the late eighties, I think he was. Uh, what else did he do? Home secretary, uh, chancellor. Now, certainly for his health secretary days and his, I think he was social security, I think he might have been as well, nothing like as popular because mm. he made a lot of changes, probably changes that some of which needs to be made, but uh, he was a far more controversial figure in those days. And that's true with a lot of people. They get more popular as they go. John Major's the same. John Major's probably a relatively popular Tory these days. Mm. Um, but when he was prime minister, he wasn't quite as popular. So. Fair play. And speaking of politics, um, the thick of it. <laughs> yeah. That is, what a show. <laughs> it's, a- it, it's an incredible show. Um, I think, I'm going to put this into context with another show, which was Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. I, which I've, I've got the box set to both of those. Episodes. Yeah. And um, so Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister was more about the relationship between politicians and civil servants. Yeah. This is more about, this is a three-way relationship uh, and it's mostly about... Uh, politicians and spads, I guess, yeah. to some extent, plus their PR machine, plus the civil servants, but not in the same central way as it is in Yes Minister. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of big fan of the thick of it. Mm. I have seen them all. Been a while since I've seen most of them, but I did watch a few because I knew you were going to ask me this question. Yeah, <laughs> and I think um, the interesting, well, the interesting thing about the thick of it that it does share with Yes Minister is. The view of politicians is fairly similar, and it's one I share about politicians. Mm. I don't have a north, you know, I work in Parliament, I haven't had an awful lot of exposure to politicians, mm. but the little exposure I have had and what I know from them is is how much in the moment they are. They're, they're very, they only ever think about the present and how something yeah. looks in the short term, and it's very difficult to persuade them to do anything that doesn't look good in the short term, even though it's a good thing in the long term, and that mm. comes across. That's one of the driving. Uh, ethos between certainly between yes minister and yes in, in the thick of it as well because even and, and in fact what you get in yes in in the thick of it is the PR people so the Malcolm Tuckers are even worse at that than the politicians because yeah. even if the politician thinks they've got done something that's a good thing they will then be told to undo it by Malcolm Tucker's rantings about how it's looking at mm. this moment in time on the TV or in the <laughs> newspapers. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a genius piece of work. Um, yeah. Uh, big fan of Armando Anucci anyway, and all the stuff he's done uh, before that. Um, I, it kind of has three phases to the show, doesn't it? The first show, mm. really, which mostly uh, focuses on Hugh Abbott. Yeah. Uh, before the Afghans forced to quit that show, mm-hmm. then it kind of moves more onto the spads and less into the ministers. Uh, Why was he forced to quit the show? 
Uh, he was he was found guilty of um, of uh, was he found guilty? I think he was found guilty of child pornography. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, so <laughs> I, yeah, so uh, he was he was. I mean, he quit the show before just when I think the allegations were first made. In fact, I don't know if you remember, but he was um, he was he got an award at the British Comedy Awards mm-hmm. just as the allegations were pretty well almost the same week the oh. allegations were made. And they actually phoned him at home. To tell him he won the award, and he was less than happy about the exposure he was getting yeah. at that point in time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he, he left the show. I mean, I assume he left the show because of that because it's the only reason he would have left the show because he was actually very good in the show. Mm. Uh, and the focus moved to Spans and to Malcolm Tucker more, more, more than they had done in the past. That's quite a political move. That's quite a political move, isn't it? Stepping it is. down before no, well, knowing something's going to come out and then stepping down immediately. Well, I think, he, yeah, I don't think he quite wasn't quite as neat. I think the rumours had come out. Then he uh, stepped, and, and I think there was a break in filming anyway. But what there was was the second series. You'll notice is split. There are mm. three, two or three episodes with Malcolm Tucker in it. Then I think in reality there was a big break mm. before the next episodes came out that I think they were just dumped, ditched and rewritten yeah. uh, with, in a completely different way. And, and I think the rest of that series, mm. the Hugh Abbott's character is talked about, but he's in Australia somewhere and somebody yeah. has to take his place. He's gone on holiday. <laughs> yeah, he's gone on holiday. And uh, the Rebecca, whose name I forgot, is now Rebecca Font takes over that mm. role, that uh, person. So there's that. So then the third phase, I think, is then the coalition government, which is mm. the last, last series, yeah. when, in fact, everything switches over. So Malcolm Tucker's now, Malcolm Tucker's party's in opposition. Mm. Uh, I forgot what his name is now. Who's his counterpart in the Tories? Um, don't know, I forgot. So mm. he's, now, he's now the new PR guru. Mm. Um, and I found the last the last series is more confusing, but only because I think coalition government is a bit more confusing. It's yeah. a, bit more, a bit more difficult to work out what's going on. Yeah. But it's surprisingly how much of it is traditional comedy, even though it has, you know, no audience, no laughter track, mm. no music, uh, just verite camera thing. Mm. Uh, actually, the setup is pretty standard. Some of it's really very slapstick, particularly yeah. when it concerns Malcolm Tucker. Malcolm Tucker trying to either stop a piece of bad news from getting out <laughs> and running from building to building and being, you know, in the very first episode, being behind a glass or being the wrong side of an office, <laughs> going, <"Hardly." laughs> going, you know, sort of banging on the windows. It's all very slapstick. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. It's a shame we don't see Chris Addison in more things now. No. Um, or even in stand-up, he's kind of... I don't know, I'm not entirely sure what Chris Addison is doing these days. Um, I mean, I assume he's doing some yeah, he's, some sorts, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is a shame. I think he was... Um, it was almost, it would have been interesting to see, it would have been interesting had it happened a bit sooner if we'd seen a version of that to deal with post-Brexit. Yeah, that's you know, what I was... That's the difference. I don't think that's going to happen now. So partly because I think Armand Arnucci is too ensconced in both, mm. uh, well, VP, VP's to finish now, I think. Yeah, VP's finished. Uh, but but, well but Britain's coming, Little Britain's coming back. Yeah. And that's going to deal with post-Brexit Britain. Yeah, it does, but that's not, it's not, I mean, I'm not... No. I'm not, no. I think, I like Little Britain, not not in the same way as I think yeah. I like something like Think of it. Question um, that kind of feeds into something I was going to ask you actually. Um, how, if you could bring it back for today's audience, how would you do it? What the thick of it? Yeah. Um, you well, well. If you, I think the obvious point to make is there's now uh, there's now a different relationships between spads and between ministers. I think you probably yeah. you want to have a Dominic Cummings yeah. character as uh, in the show. Um, 
I think Malcolm Tucker would not probably would have to be not in the show anymore because I think the way they left it at the end of the last series, which was pretty well they were going to jail. Mm. Um, I think he would be out of it. I think Dominic Cummings' character would be would be the central, probably the central character because he yeah. looks like he's the central shadowy figure behind the government as it yeah. is now. Um, you would probably focus on the prime minister because that's the interesting that's the interesting relationship now. If you did focus on ministers, mm. they would be what seems to be clear is that there's a very big power grab from the centre, even more so than in Tony Blair's uh, era. Mm. So you would have might have a relationship between even having more dysfunctional ministers who can't do what they want to do, uh, having their minister, having their spads mm. sacked by Dominic by the by the central prime ministerial mm. spad. Um, and I don't know about the. I think the PR bit of it is probably not quite as central to mm. to what's going on as it used to be in the past. And you would have to focus. You would have to talk about Brexit, coronavirus. Those are all, those are clearly the big things that are happening at the moment. Yeah, so. yeah you're right. Um, how well do you think it covered the Blair slash Gordon Brown years? Um, I don't think it covered the Gordon Brown era at all. Really, did it? From what I remember. It covered the Blair. I mean, I think the show was set up to be a comment on how Blair's government was working. So Malcolm Tucker is clearly a a, uh, a heightened version of Alistair Campbell. Even yeah. Alistair Campbell denies it. <laughs> um, I don't think there was anything like that set up with Gordon Brown. Mm. I don't think, um, partly because I think there was, I can't remember what the break was between the third and the fourth series, but I have a feeling the third series happened just as Blair was about to lose power. I'm not sure it reflected that all that well. So I'll say it reflected the Blair era very well. I don't think it reflected the Brown era at all. And I think the last series made fairly decent fist of reflecting coalition government realities, yeah. uh, particularly between the um, relationship between like a Tory minister, a Tory secretary of state and a Lib Dem duly um, minister. Um, I think actually, so I don't think they, um, even though I haven't seen it, but it makes it would make sense if they did do this. Maybe they covered the Gordon Brown years in in the loop. Mate, uh, yeah, I, I liked. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what was being covered in the loop. Um, Which is the film, by the way. Yeah, yeah, seen no, I've, I've, seen, I've seen the film. I've seen the film, and I like the film a lot. And I think actually Tom Holland was very good in it. Mm. Um, and I like James Gandolfini. His last film, I think it was James Gandolfini's last yeah, film. Yeah, possibly. But that was 2008 or 2009. 2009, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe it would have been, been filmed in 2008, yeah. so he would have been in power at that point. He would have been in power at that point. He would. Um, it might. It was filmed in 2008. It was probably written in 2007. It might still yeah. have had. It might have been written in an era where Gordon Brown was still because I mean, Gordon Brown had a hundred day honeymoon period, um, you know, like mm. no one else, yeah. uh, before he spectacularly fell from grace towards the end of 2007. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I think they skirted around the Gordon Brown era. I think when they put in the loop in, it was meant for American audiences, and they focused on the relationship between America and England rather than between any specific politician. Mm. So okay, well, this has been great on the road. Good to do. Where can um, where can people find you? Uh, I, well, I have a website, harunmushod.com, which I've just set up. Yeah, um, so nice my gigs and stuff are all on there. Uh, I gig mostly in London, the southeast. I do a fair bit of the festivals. How many festivals I'll be doing this year is anybody's <laughs> we'll guess, see. given what's going on. Um, well, and yeah, I, I do that. 
uh, I don't really do, uh, I don't do, I don't generally do podcasts or anything else. I sort of focus mostly on the live stand-up and perhaps mm. I should do more of that. But, mm. but yeah, you can find me. There's a gig list on my website well, what about, on Facebook and Twitter. Well, what about, um, what's your social media handles? Sorry, uh, 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 yeah, sorry. Social media handles are, um, the Twitter one is at Harun Moshod, all one word. Uh, H-A-R-U-N-M-U-S-H-O-D. Uh, Instagram is the same, but it's not a particularly active one. And then my Facebook page is Harun Mushod one because mm. Harun Mushod is my actual social Facebook page, whereas Harun Mushod one is my comedy one. So. Oh, that was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed thank it. Thanks very much. Thanks yeah, very much. much. Um, Cheers. It won't be the handshake because no. this times, but no. yeah, thanks. We-